Welcome to Open Banking Expo Unplugged, bringing you the brightest minds in open banking, open finance and beyond. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Banking Expo Unplugged, the podcast series from Open Banking Expo. I'm Ellie Duncan, Head of Content and your usual host for the episode. And today my guest is Adi Ben-Ari. CEO of Applied Blockchain, which he founded in 2015 to develop blockchain solutions for clients. We're going to come on to discuss more about the business itself, uh, where the idea came from, how open banking fits into all of this, as well as a little bit more about sort of data sharing and privacy issues and uh, what Applied Blockchain has in store for 2022. So welcome to the podcast, Adi. Thank you, Ellie. It's my pleasure. So uh, let's start by hearing a bit more about your own background. So what is your experience and how did you come to start Applied Blockchain? Uh, so, so I spent 20 years uh, as a developer and leading development teams and working as a, as a technology architect in telecoms and banking. So I was working for a bank uh, around 2015 uh, for one of the big UK high street banks. And uh, a friend of mine from university was trading bitcoins and said to me, you've got to check this out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for me, the rest is history. Uh, as a technologist, I looked at the blockchain tech. Uh, unfortunately, I don't, I'm not a trader, so I didn't really think, oh, I need to buy lots of crypto now. Uh, but I started developing and, and exploring the technology, and, and, and it blew my mind. I thought it was really a, a game changer, uh, and started building with the technology. And this, initially, I showed this inside the bank, but the bank was going through its own three-year transformation program, and and you know it wasn't really there wasn't really anyone to I think with capacity or I don't know maybe even the vision to to to, under, to really understand the technology and where it's where, where it could all go um, at the time. Uh, so I left the bank and I uh, I started the company. I thought I have to work in the space. I have to work with the techn- with technology, um, but I didn't have any ideas at the time either. So so we started uh, offering our services and building solutions for others. Uh, to, uh, and building solutions using uh, blockchain technology and built up an expertise in, in blockchain, in all things blockchain. And did you then uh, also go about kind of building your team, finding people that did have that experience and the expertise that you needed? Um, so, yeah, so we grew, I guess uh, we started in 2015. We grew quite quickly to a team of about 20 people. Uh, funnily enough, I've hardly ever hired anyone who has blockchain experience. Uh, we, we usually find uh, some people who are just great, problem solvers and great developers and, and we trained them up um, and we worked with initially a range of banks uh, and then uh, companies in automotive aviation energy uh, and a whole range of startups as well uh, building different blockchain applications at the time it might be worthwhile i guess um, uh, we obviously assume a certain level of knowledge among our listeners but it could be the case that some people aren't too familiar with blockchain i mean i'm sure we've Many of us have heard of it. Perhaps we don't know the ins and outs of it. And I guess a lot of people might associate blockchain with, as you mentioned at the very beginning, I suppose, Bitcoin and, and trading. So is there kind of more to it than that? Can you kind of explain in a, in a bit more detail about blockchain itself? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's essentially a way of uh, storing data in a way that it's harder to change it. Um, and that's by, by having a group that guards the, the, the records rather than just having one party. Um, and when we deal with high value, da- high value data, which is basically data about records of ownership, that's when the data is highest value. 
it's when it says what you own and so if somebody changes that then that has a lot of implications so records of ownership which are basically asset registries um this this is really what the blockchain is it's a more secure version of that if you think it's more secure to have a group looking after that record than just a single party so that's that's the fundamental and everything else really builds on top of that uh, so as a technology it means that you can really trade assets exchange assets and if one of those assets represents money and another represents an asset that, that, that somebody wants to trade then you can do that on one platform uh, and you can do it and that means you can do it very 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 efficiently compared to how things work today in today's financial system so of course this has started off with a lot of experiments and unregulated activity and uh, and, and, and a wild west in the crypto world and and it's it's morphed into an incredible uh, pool of innovation of technology innovation which now looks like an alternative universe to to the current financial system it's very small it's it's lego bricks at this stage it's very very early uh, there are a lot of things wrong with it but technically it's super efficient incredibly efficient compared to, to what we to, to the alternative okay uh, and I guess, yeah, just just in the sort of five or six years or so that you've been in the industry, uh, in, in blockchain specifically, I should say that it must have changed quite a bit over that time. You must have seen that technology come on, you know, leaps and bounds, right? Yeah. I mean, the first, you know, we started in 2015 when we had Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin had been around a few years and Ethereum was just beginning to, was just being released. Uh, and that's where we came in and started developing with, with smart contracts, which were really the thing that the innovation that Ethereum brought to life. Um, and uh, the first two or three years were really a lot of experiments. So a lot of corporates, a lot of banks uh, experiment, uh, experimenting with the technology. Um, and, then, uh, and then we had an explosion of overhype and, and a lot of nonsense, really. Uh, with the ICO boom <laughs> and really demonstrating everything that can go wrong in an unregulated market. Um, but on the other hand, there were, if, if we say 99% of the projects that were around at the time, you know, were, were, were a lot of nonsense, there were 1% that were incredible, right? Some pure innovation, really interesting things. Um, and then we went through crypto winter, which was around 2019, when, when everything really slowed down and this 1% of projects that had been seeded around that time started really building uh, and, and creating some really interesting solutions. And then there's 2020, 2021, as, as COVID kicked in and everybody started going more online, um, it all took off again. So these projects that had been seeded in the background uh, and were building some really interesting solutions now blew up. Uh, and this is where we've seen the NFT platforms, the DeFi, decentralized finance protocols, um, and an incredible amount of innovation and activity that's that, that, that's really been created around that. And we as a company, we, we were 20 people going into COVID and we're going to be 80 in January. Uh, so we've seen incredible growth um, and, and, and it's really a reflection of, uh, of everything that's going on in the space. Wow, that is, uh, yeah, that's incredible growth trajectory. And um, well, look, let's bring bring it back, I suppose, to open banking, because I know that one of applied blockchain solutions um, that you've developed is an integration with open banking. I understand it's the first sort of privacy preserving open banking solution. So can you explain what that is and how it works? Yes. So, so, so our roots are in blockchain. Right, that's that, that's kind of where where we've come from in terms of problem solving and, and and how we think about problems. And one of the biggest problems in blockchain has always been privacy, because 
as I said to you at the beginning, it's a, it, it, in order to secure the records, we have to distribute them to a group. Uh, and the problem with data is that once you proliferate it, you're, each, time you, each time I guess another copy is created out there, you've just increased the risk of that data being stolen or compromised. Uh, so, so within the blockchain space, there's been a lot of innovation around how to, how to keep data private and how to protect it. Uh, and so we've taken some of that and applied it and see where, we, where, where can we apply it. And we felt that one of the most sensitive sources of data was open banking. Uh, then looking at the open banking space, um, we realized that you've got regulators trying to do conflicting things. So the regulator created open banking uh, in order to, to, to increase competition right, and to force the banks to share the data with, with third-party applications. Um, but the, the other types of regulators we have you know, or, or regulation that we have, things like GDPR, which actually does the opposite, right? Says, you know, only use data that you absolutely need. Uh, don't hold on to people's data if you don't, uh, you know, or will be very responsible in holding on to it and so on and, and get their permission. So you've got these two conflicting forces, right? On the one hand, we want to protect data. On the other hand, we want to open up the use of data. Um, and w- when we looked at open banking, we felt that actually this is not necessarily going in the right direction because it, in order to add competition, that very, very sensitive data is being let out of a relatively secure place and is now being effectively going out of the control of the users. So once I enable open, open banking access to my bank account, that the entity that I've given access to, they have 90 days, and I think that's just been opened up as well and increased. You know, they, they have ongoing access to all my transactions, if that's the permission I've given them. Um, and, uh, and, and, and I think that's very, very, very risky. Right, and other people feel that way as well, and that's why that reflects in, uh, unfortunately, in some of the usage numbers around open banking as well. Right, there's an element of friction in people not feeling comfortable sharing that type of data. And in open banking, we have data about individuals, which of course is very sensitive, and we also have commercial data. Right, we have um, bank uh, business bank accounts, and you know, I run a relatively small business. Uh, if any of our transaction numbers got out, right, the, the employees would all know what each other is being paid. Our customers would know if we're giving others discounts. I mean, it would just it would blow up the business, right? So, uh, uh, not to mention, I mean, uh, again, individual data where you know how I spend my money or how my family does, you know, that's not something I want out there. So, this is really super, super sensitive data. Cybersecurity is a problem. It's a problem that's just increasing. It's a reality. The uh, hacks, you know, companies are being hacked all the time and it's a cat and mouse game with, with, with hackers. Um, and it's probably fair to say that, you know, it's not a question of when will data, uh, of if whether data will be stolen from somewhere. It's just, it's more a question of when. And so by letting this data out, I, I, you know, we, we wonder whether it's, a, it's the right thing to do. So the solution we've developed enables open banking data to be queried, right? So you can build a query Someone can enable access to their bank account. Our platform, which is called Silent Data, runs the query. So we can, for example, uh, find out whether somebody's got a bank balance above a certain number or, or an income above a certain level uh, or run some sort of credit assessment on their account. And the only thing that will come out of our system is a, is either a score or yes or no. And that's the only thing that's shared. And because of the technology we use, we don't get access to the data either. So nobody in the company can actually get to that data because it's in a hardware secure environment where even the system administrator cannot access it. 
So it's as if the data never left the bank. And, and, and we think because you can do things this way, this is how it should be done. And presumably then you've also identified other ways in which um, well, other opportunities maybe um, that involve open banking that you can use at applied blockchain. Is, is that right or would that be fair to say? Yes, correct. So, so I think the, the first thing we've done is apply privacy technologies to, to open banking. Right, so how can you know how can the user's data be protected and, and the business data be protected, and at the same time, how can we get the utility out of the data, which is what these applications need? They want to be able to score or understand the risk of these customers and so on. So we, we so we've solved the privacy problem, right, without taking away the utility. Then the the the, the next question is, um, you know, how does this uh, is, is it, does this have any relation to blockchain? Right? Is there any uh, is there any any value here in in connecting this data to the blockchain? And one of the innovations that we've been witness to and also been involved in in the last eighteen months on blockchain is decentralized finance. And decentralized finance is is essentially um, fully automated and autonomous lending pools uh, that run on the blockchain. And they started. They started life with with crypto, and that's still how most of them are manifested. So you you might put one one type of crypto up for collateral and borrow another, but there's there's nobody running this. This is an autonomous piece of code that just runs on the blockchain that that calculates interest and takes the charges and, and does it all. Um, and it it's incredibly efficient. It's in, it, it, and it's super transparent. And this is what I mean about the very interesting things that are going on in blockchain right now. Um, where, where, where this connects with open banking is this is the, so what I described is fully collateralized lending, but of course the majority of lending we have is, is uncollateralized, uh, and for uncollateralized, uncollateralized lending you need data about the individual or business that you're lending to, and one of the best sources of that data is the bank account. So so that that's how we we link those two things together. We think we can enable decent um, uncollateralized lending on a blockchain using bank account data without opening up that data, without risking that data being seen by anyone or being stolen by anyone. I know you've talked a lot, quite a lot already there about, um, I guess, just this nervousness that individuals but also businesses have about their data, data security and privacy. Um, it's obviously a huge issue. And as you alluded to, you know, uh, there's a uh, kind of real threat, cybersecurity, growing cybersecurity threat now, um, not just in the UK, of course, but but globally. So um, obviously, all of this has, as you also alluded to, resulted in kind of slowing wider adoption of open banking in the UK. What do you think needs to happen to ensure that not only are consumers and SMEs better informed, but that something happens to kind of restore their faith in, in data sharing and, and essentially in open banking as well. Yeah. So, so I think the data sharing is, is a bigger problem in society. Right? I, I honestly think that if it's not our kids, it will be their kids that will turn around and look at us and say, what on earth were you thinking? Right? What were you thinking, putting your lives out there completely out in the open to be processed and, and, and public for anyone? Uh, or what were you thinking sharing so much information with these companies that that have now leaked it or and so on um so i i think in the same way as we've you know the, the pendulum has swung on people's views on the environment and people's people's views about what they you know their health may be and what they consume and so on i think it'll be the same thing with data 
right? I think it's only a matter of time before a next generation wisens up and 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 becomes a lot more responsible, right? And and uh, you know, against the mistakes that the previous generation made. And I think that's what's going to happen with data. I think you, you, the pendulum will swing, and people will only share their data where they feel absolutely comfortable with that. Now, at the moment, what we have, the protections that we have, are GDPR, which is regulation, which is then based on implementation, which is not really a technical promise. Right? There are no technical guarantees. You kind of have to take a company's word for it that they're going to look after your data, right? And you've got to hope that the regulator will monitor and find them if they don't, right? But that's very, very weak. Right, because behind the scenes, a company could really do whatever they want as long as they're not caught. Um, and uh, where we think this this will go is we'll go for, we'll go for technical guarantees. That means that I'll have I'll, I'll know for sure where my data is going and how it's being protected. And the technical guarantees, which is really something that we get from a blockchain, for example, is is we know how the data is going to be stored. It can't be stored any other way. Right? We know how the data is going to be protected. It can't be protected any other way. Technically. Right? When we put it in, we get those guarantees. So, so I think people will be will, will be will become educated to, to to that because at the moment all they see is promises about we look after your data and we're very responsible. But there's not it doesn't you know people don't really know and there aren't really any proper certainly not technical guarantees about what's behind that. So it's very hard for people to differentiate. So I think people will become smarter and wiser about this. Um, that's one. I think uh, companies will start to use privacy for marketing more and more so if we look at the big tech companies for example apple chose to differentiate itself with privacy right it's very easy for them because their business model isn't advertising but that's uh, but you know they've used privacy as a data privacy as a, as a marketing tool to put themselves ahead uh, and i think a lot of businesses when they see the, the consumer shift to caring more about this will see it as a way to to, to leap forward and be more responsible with data and use that as, as a way of getting the trust of more customers. Um, and when we look across data sets, where's the most dense, sensitive data that we have? Right? It's certainly about individuals. It's either their health data or their financial data. Right? Those, are, those are two of the, of the most sensitive data sets. Uh, so, so that's really where I think this applies to open banking. Okay, that that's really interesting. And and then, what's is there anything that you're doing at block, uh, apply blockchain to? Because um, I I know you obviously work with some some of your clients, are large companies. So do you kind of do any educational work with them or through them um, at all? We do, um, but I think a lot of this will be uh, will have to come from the customers. In the same way as it's been with the environment and with uh, food and health, I, I think what people care about it will come from them. Uh, unless the companies jump ahead and, and use it for marketing, as I said, and, and kind of educate and use it to their advantage. But at the moment, what we find is some companies take the opposite approach, right? They, well, I can get my hands on the data now. Why shouldn't I use it, right? It's useful for me. Uh, and why should I be more responsible with the data? Do you know, I can just get it now and, and, and so on. So I think it'll be the companies that look, that look ahead that can actually put this two and two together and realize where it's going and see the advantage of putting in technology that means they, they, they're more responsible with the data that, that I think will be better set going forward. Um, I'll give you an example, by the way, of where we're implementing this. Uh, so we have, um, you know, being in blockchain, we work, we, we build NFT marketplaces among other, uh, other applications and platforms. And NFTs, I don't know if you've followed any of this or your, or your listeners have, but it's a way of representing 
ownership of digital things. It's a new medium. It's taken off in, in, in a big way in the, in the digital art world. And we've been involved in some very big projects with famous artists and so on. Um, but one of the platforms we've built uh, is a place where you can see these digital NFTs and, and t- take part in a, in a bidding process and bid for them, right? Much as you would on, uh, on, on the, in the auction houses. And, the, and the, these are very high value items. So how do you know the person's got the money to, to place the bid? Right? This is an online system. This isn't an auction house where you have a relationship with the, with the bidder. Uh, so the best way is to really ask them for proof of funds. And you, you can do that through open banking, of course. Right? But, you, if, you, but you've, if you ask someone for, open ba- for, for proof of funds through open banking, you're going to see their balance. Now, do you really need to see their balance? What you really need is to know that they've got enough funds to purchase the item. Right? You don't really need to see their balance. And so using silent data, using this open banking privacy platform that we've developed, your query is, do they have the funds in their account to support this purchase? Yes or no. And you don't see their balance and nobody does and nobody gets access to it. And that's why we think it's, it's, it's a better way of doing things. So that, 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 that's a live platform now. Yeah. And when you're talking about NFTs, that stands for non-fungible tokens. Is that correct? Yeah. And do you, (laughs) I do know a little bit about it, only a tiny bit. Um, Do you think, and then as you referred to there, I've so far, my reading of NFTs has been around sort of the art world, uh, as you referred to it. So is there a kind of wider use case potentially for NFTs then? We've had some some big projects in the art world, and I think it's interesting because the art world, it, you know, it's creative, it's open, it's not really a regulated environment. It's a perfect place, really, with hindsight, where this kind of thing can start. Um, so, so yeah, there's, there's definitely been a, there's obviously been a lot in the art world, but we see it as uh, first of all, we, we we see it using to track different types of assets because it doesn't just obviously it doesn't just have to be art right we work with fine wines for example we work with um financial assets right paper documents that get financed those are those are assets that can be represented as non-fungible tokens um so i think you know lots of different assets can be uh, represented using uh using nfts and that means that they they can be traded in a in a, an efficient and liquid uh, environment that's really what the blockchain brings. Um, but we have to be very careful because artwork NFTs and other NFTs as well don't come with many guarantees, right? Unless we actually check them and do diligence on them, right? So just because something is an NFT on a blockchain doesn't mean that what's behind it is really what you think. So, or, or, you know, what does it prove the fact it's an NFT? For example, is it really from the original artist or someone just created a duplicate? Uh, and I could say the same thing about financial assets. So what are they representing? What's the risk behind them? What's the, where's the data behind them? Uh, and so we've got, we're developing technologies to be able to enable that traceability without revealing the data. Right? So, you can, so on, on, on the blockchain where you trade, you'll be able to assess the risk of assets based on data like open banking that sits outside the blockchain without that data being revealed or compromised or shared or distributed. Right. That's how this all comes together. Okay, that that's really interesting, and and I did want to bring it back just kind of in the last few minutes of the podcast to um, the business itself. So applied blockchain and and the fact that obviously you spoke about starting it back in 2015. So I wondered what your experience was of getting funding for the business. Uh, what was that like for you? So we haven't followed the, the classic startup 
path at all, right? Uh, as I said, I started the business without any ideas, just with a passion for the technology. So we started building projects for clients. Um, but it's always been in the back of my mind that I want to develop our own uh, technology as well. Uh, so we, in, it was 2017, so two years into the business, um, one of our clients became Shell, uh, the energy company. Um, and they gave us a very big project to build a derivatives trading platform uh, using blockchain technology, which went live in 2018 and, and, and is, is very widely used at the moment uh, across the company, across the business. Uh, they offered us investment. And at that point, we hadn't, uh, we hadn't really looked for investment, but they invested. Uh, and alongside with them, uh, a, a fintech VC called Calibrate. And that's when we started doing our own uh, research and product development, especially around the privacy technologies. And that's how we came to Silent Data, which is the open banking privacy integration. Um, and so we've been, and we, we raised an, another round of funding just before COVID in February 2020. Uh, and, and we may we may well raise uh, some more funding uh, in the near future as well. We're, we're talking to investors. Well, that's great to hear. So yeah, so the, the, the market's growing. It's very, very active. There's a lot of opportunity. It's still very, very new. I mean, we haven't scraped the surface, I think, with blockchain. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of opportunity, yeah. And so given how many opportunities there are, what, what are you sort of prioritizing uh, in 2022? What, what's, what, what's your plans for next year? Um, so, so, yeah, so in, in terms of product, we, we, we're focused on bridging. So we're focused on bridging blockchains to, uh, to data that's outside the blockchain. And that's really why open banking is really interesting for us. So I think everything that's happening or a lot of the activities happening in blockchain so far in the crypto world, it's kind of insular. It's, it's, it's everything happens inside the blockchain. It doesn't really have much to do with the outside world. And, uh, and so we're looking to really build some infrastructure to enable all of that data and all of those assets and all of that stuff that sits in the real world uh, to be brought to, 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 uh, to be represented in these blockchains where we can have these very efficient transacting and lending and investing and trading environments. Great. Well, we will keep a close eye here at Open Banking Expo on what you what you get up to in 2022. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been great to hear from you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ellie. Thanks again to my guest, Addy, for joining me today. Thank you all for listening as well. Now, you'll find plenty of episodes of Open Banking Expo Unplugged on the on-demand section of openbankingexpo.com. We've had some great guests in recently covering all areas of open banking, fintech, and not just in the UK, but we've had guests on from all around the world. So do take a listen back to some of those episodes. We also have episodes of Open Banking Expo TV as well on that same section. That's all from me today. So goodbye for now.